Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to discuss relationship and astrology and some of the trials and errors that I've had, some of the major questions I've had. We're going to talk about heartbreak with astrology, love and astrology, friendship and astrology. <laughs> I do plan on this being a little bit more of a brief podcast, but I feel like I say that a lot, so we'll see what happens. Before we get further into this, please remember I study the Vedic sidereal system, so you're going to hear me say things like Rahu and Ketu and Kuja Dosha. <laughs> things that may be a little bit unfamiliar if you study the Western tropical system. So if you want to learn more about these two systems, go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media and then astrology now. And there is a link available for you, a podcast embedded that will share the differences. And there are other playlists available as well to help guide you through your Vedic birth chart. So I've tried to record this podcast like 14 times and I I'm almost at the point of being like, I don't even know if I'm going to post today. <laughs> I'm recording this at 8.22 a.m. I usually have the podcast out by 6 a.m. Um, I've been sick with that thing that everyone's been avoiding. It finally got me. Um, and it's just really thrown a wrench in my podcast making skills. So I recorded a podcast yesterday and I got feedback on it. And it just, it ultimately wasn't what I was wanting it to be. It didn't feel helpful. You know, like when I post a podcast, I really, my intention is for people to hear it and there to be information where they're like, yes, like this is so helpful. And I just like wasn't feeling it with that podcast. I shared it with Emily. Emily is my astrology now partner in crime. She writes my um, newsletters for me sometimes. I'm sure if you've been around, you've seen Emily. I sent it to her. And she's like, this is helpful. You know, someone's going to find it helpful. <laughs> and I was like, that's not a good enough answer. She uh, she told me when I said, I don't think I'm going to post it. She's like, is it because you don't think it's good? Or do you feel like it's because you exposed yourself? I was like, that's a great question. I feel like it's because I exposed myself. So in the podcast that I recorded, I share tons of my personal dating experiences and mistakes that I've made using astrology while dating. And uh, maybe I'll post it some other time. But for today, we are going to continue a conversation that we started having on Instagram. And I understand that when I post a podcast, it has a much further reach. So not everyone who is listening now saw the Instagram. So I'll kind of catch you all up on what we were discussing. We were discussing um, how to approach compatibility when using Vedic astrology. And we are also talking about some of the fears that people come to me with. So we're going to address some of the main questions I've gotten, some concerns that individuals have, and just some helpful tips that I've found in my own practice that have, again, been significantly helpful for me when accurately assessing compatibility in a birth chart. And before we get started, before we like really get into some of these talking points that I have, I really want to remind everyone that relationship truly is a spiritual path. And we learn so much about ourselves when we come into contact with other people, rather it be a friend or a business partner, a significant other, a teacher. There's only so much growth that can occur 
when we are in our own zone, kind of doing our own thing and we're not being challenged, we're not being held accountable, we're not being asked to evolve, right? For me in my own life, there is nothing more compelling than love. There's nothing more compelling for me to change what I am doing with my life than when I love somebody. And again, this could be a friend. It doesn't have, when I say love, love is not limited to romantic partnership. When I, when I love somebody and I do something that hurts them, or I realize that my behavior is keeping us from moving forward in a connection. Um, I realize that I have problematic tendencies with my attachment style. I wouldn't be able to realize those things or have those experiences if I were by myself. When I'm in connection with someone, that's when my attachment wounds come up. That's when maybe jealousy comes up or um, the desire to cling, (laughs) the desire to control maybe, whatever it is that we're working with. Those tendencies, those patterns are revealed to us when we're in union with someone else. And I am under the impression, I'm very much under the belief that we are incarnated to heal these patterns, to mend ourselves and to see the truth of reality. And love, connection, offers us profound insight into ourself. You know, the wounds that may be governing our behavior. Maybe we have this tendency to live in fear, make decisions through fear, make decisions through scarcity. Things that maybe wouldn't be as evident to us if we were not directly confronted (laughs) by someone else. My therapist has said before that wounds are created in relationship and so it only makes sense that they're healed in relationship. And I have found that, I'm getting emotional, I'm like having a physical experience talking about this. I have not found anything else to be more true. That having positive healing relationships have been some of the most profound vehicles for healing, for me anyway. And when we are looking at our birth charts, It's not just that we're looking at a birth chart. We are looking at our karmic makeup. We are looking at the cells that comprise our karmic destiny. It's the same thing as when we're looking at someone else. In my opinion, Jyotish Vedic astrology, it is a sacred art form. It is a limb of the Vedas. Vedas is infinite wisdom, infinite knowledge. It is a guideline to support us on the path of self-discovery. And so Jyotish being a limb, a supplement of the Vedas, it is a direct tool of self-discovery as well. It's intended to be sacred. It's intended to be a catalyst of self-discovery, right? If the Vedas are to discover oneself, to see the ultimate truth of reality. And Jyotish is a supplement of that. It makes sense that Jyotish is indeed intended to reveal deeper layers of ourselves, to show us areas that need growth, 
you know, Rahu and Ketu, what is our karmic destiny in this lifetime? Saturn, what's going to be a limitation? What's going to be a struggle, you know? And for us, having birth charts, it means that we ourselves are sacred, that we are part of this divine fabric spreading throughout all of time and space, that the planets, how the planets were placed had an impact on us. How beautiful is that? I get emotional thinking about it. And these planets are expressing themselves through our bodies. They're woven into our system. So, you know, if you have a Malavaya yoga, if Venus is super strong for you, wow, you know, at the moment of your birth, Venus was strong. Venus wanted to play through you. Saturn is strong. Same thing. Saturn wanted to play through you. It's this beautiful dance. And I'm sharing this on this podcast specifically because I really want to emphasize how sacred other people are. You know, and when we're approaching, when we're approaching relationship and love and intimacy and friendship, it's, and, and, you know, we decide to pull up their birth chart. It's important to remember that this is a divine being. This is a divine being on their path with their karmic destiny. And it's not just about what they can do for us or what they can fulfill for us or who they're going to be for us. It's also this incredible opportunity to see their karma. And I think it's so important to hold that with so much reverence and so much love and so much respect and sanctity and understanding what it is that we're really doing when we're looking at Vedic astrology. Um, and I, I've done all of this, right? Like I have been, you know, nonchalant with astrology. I've been nonchalant with looking at charts. And um, I just want to remind you all that this is an opportunity to create karma when we're looking at charts and we're, we're telling people what we see and we're kind of comparing the charts to our own charts. It's an opportunity to create positive karma, being uplifting, being supportive, uh, sharing good things, strengths, and then it's an opportunity to create negative karma. If we use a chart to shame someone, oh my gosh, I hope not, <laughs> you know, tell someone that something bad is going to happen or tell someone that they're doomed or whatever. And that's a delicate line because sometimes in astrology, it is important to tell someone like I've, I've had this experience and this was actually something I wanted to share today. I've had this experience where an astrologer did not tell me that something bad was going to happen. And I really wish that they had of, and it was kind of a traumatizing experience. And I'm going to share that. Um, but anyway, it's always up to us in each moment to kind of decide what's going to be helpful. What's not going to be helpful, but remember that we're generating karma with this, with astrology. And so it's important that we hold it with that reverence, that we hold one another with sanctity and um, that we remember that relating and connecting is a spiritual path and that it's a beautiful thing to come into contact with anybody, rather it be a week, a couple of months, a couple of years. And the point of all of it is to come in contact with this concept of ultimate reality, truth with a capital T and the truth is that all of us are on our individual karmic paths. And the more that we can approach one another from deep, true love, the sincere desire to know one another, the sincere desire to serve, to love, to support, 
that's really, in my opinion, the goal. But it's hard when we have attachment styles and love languages and we're hoping to build a family and we really need to trust people, you know, and rely on one another. Things can kind of come up that are less savory. You know, maybe we start living from a place of scarcity or we start approaching one another from a place of fear and anxiety. And I'm the queen of this, y'all. Relationship has been a path for me and it still is a path for me. And it's something that I have to come back to all the time. And so this is not a place of profession. (laughs) I have worked a lot on relationship and myself in relationship. And again, there are still things I'm working on, but for myself in my own life, a goal and what I try to do when I'm looking at charts of people I'm dating or that I'm in a relationship with is that I try to really root myself in love. I try to remove myself from the situation somewhat And I try to remind myself that this is a spirit soul with their unique karma, you know, try to approach it all with love. So I hope that that is helpful. And also just, just a final reminder that if you do, um, approach relationship with fear, you approach friendship with fear or, or scarcity or whatever it may be that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you at all. Um, it's, all possible to heal and mend from and being a person is super super messy i mean we are super complicated we're like these amazing divine beings who the planets are expressing themselves through we have this ability to understand god consciousness and universal consciousness we have the ability and cognition to get attachment style and all of the nuances of what relationship are and then We still have our animalistic tendencies where we need people and we crave one another and we have all these other needs and desires. I mean, y'all, it's difficult. So if you make mistakes, if you do stupid things, if you accidentally hurt somebody, if you get hurt, it's all good. You know, I think that again, if we kind of ground ourselves with reverence and respect for one another, there's not a whole lot that we can do super wrong on this path because we're all just doing the best that we can. So let's go ahead and get into this list after 15 minutes of me rambling. So first and foremost, on this podcast, I hear often that Saturn freaks people out. Saturn in the first house, Saturn in the seventh house, when people are doing sinistry, if Saturn is near Venus or Saturn is near the moon, Saturn is near Jupiter. Saturn is not a bad planet for relationship and intimacy. Saturn can make things a little bit more difficult. Saturn can cause some delays. Saturn may even cause a little bit of conflict, but Saturn creates wisdom. Saturn may create those conflicts, but again, through conflict, through bumping up against one another, there is so much wisdom and insight that can come from that. So Saturn can create profound wisdom and insight in connection with others, and Saturn really binds people together. Truly Saturn does. If Saturn is in your seventh house, there may be, I mean, like there is karma and relationship, but it can also give this opportunity for a long lasting, steadfast connection. So Saturn in the seventh, Saturn with your seventh house ruler, Saturn in sinistry, 
Remember that Saturn likes to draw things out. It makes things last a long time. It is a little bit more business oriented. It is a little bit more serious. It's not as fun and light as like Venus, right? But if you're wanting something long lasting, if you're wanting something with that steadfastness, Saturn is actually a great player. The next thing that I hear about a lot is Mars. Mars in sinistry, Mars in the seventh house, Kuja dosha. I have I've had so many people ask me about Kuja dosha and being worried about Kuja dosha. First of all, there are compatibility remedies for Kuja dosha that um, mitigate the negative effect. I've been doing research on relationship and compatibility in Vedic astrology for quite some time. I've looked at many charts. I've looked at many charts of long-lasting relationships. I have seen Mars in the seventh house, Mars with Saturn in the seventh house. I have seen Mars be the significant player in relationship. And people have been married for, you know, quite some time. I, I saw someone recently, I think they've been married like 40 years or something wild. They've got Mars in the seventh house. So we can see some things in astrology that may cause some problems. It's certainly, I mean, if you have Mars in the seventh, it's certainly going to create distinct personality qualities. It's a Kendra house. It's aspecting the ascendant, but it doesn't necessarily ruin relationships forever. And again, there are compatibility, uh, remedial measures that can happen in, in compatibility and sinistry. So that is something else to keep in mind. I was talking about this in Rio Doso where I traveled recently is sometimes we look at our chart and we see that there may be difficulties in relationship. You know, maybe we have an afflicted seventh Lord or we do have an afflicted seventh house or whatever. And what that leads to is maybe getting a gemstone or doing certain mantras or doing certain remedials. And there's certainly a place for that. But what I really try to remind people is that because we are looking at our karmic blueprint, we have insight that we're going to struggle with a relationship. If we can, if we truly see that in our chart and it is something that's happening for us, we live in a point in time where there is so much amazing information out there on relationship. And so my biggest solution to people if they have Saturn in the seventh and they know that they have karma in regards to relationship or you have Rahu or Ketu in the seventh or whatever it may be, we know that there's karma there. It's an opportunity to move in the direction of that karma, right? If the universe is saying, hey, yep, relationship stuff, there's stuff to learn here. It's an opportunity to move with that energy to learn everything that we can about relationship, learn everything we can about attachment, learn everything we can about love languages, our own personal style of connection, how our wounds may be inhibiting us in connection now. So it's kind of an invitation, right? If we didn't have astrology, we may struggle in relationship, but then that would be kind of like the end of it. But if we have a chart that is affirming, yeah, you've got karma, gonna have some struggles here. We're not here just to look at our chart and be like, okay, well, I guess that that's what it is. We're here for self-discovery, right? So it's like, oh, oh my gosh, I do have relationships stuff. Okay, I'm going to take charge of this and I'm going to invest everything that I can in this lifetime to learn so that I alleviate that karma. 
So I take full responsibility for that karma, whether it was generated in last lifetime or if it's generated in this lifetime. Because some of us come into this world, I mean, we all come into this world with pre-existing karma, but sometimes we could be raised in a perfect family. We could have great attachment with our parents, but for whatever reason, we still struggle in love and romance. So it may be something that was generated in previous lifetimes. We call that samskaras, these kind of patterns that uh, travel with us. And so again, if the purpose of incarnation is to grow and to heal, it's so important to be proactive in that and to be an active participant in our healing. Same thing with the fourth house. If it's in the fourth and we know that we have karma in regards to fourth house matters, or if it's like finances and we know that we we have karma with money, it's like becoming financially literate, you know, learning more about money and investment and being responsible and all of these things. So I hope that that is helpful. That's something that we had a conversation about on Instagram. Other astrologers, astrologers can be wrong is a note that I took. So this is that story that I was going to tell you about. So I had to have a bone graft a couple of years ago. I was missing teeth in my like bottom jaw and they just like never developed. I've got a lot of teeth karma, unfortunately. But anyway, I had teeth that never developed. I had to get a bone graft. It was very, it's one of the most significant surgeries you can have in your jaw And I was super nervous about it. And so I scheduled an appointment with an astrologer. And obviously I'm not going to say who this astrologer was. And I asked him like, hey, is it a good time to get this surgery? He's kind of looking at the chart and then he's like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's completely fine. Like the doctor that you're going to is really good and da, da, da. So I went to go get the surgery and it ended up being absolutely horrible Um, My mouth got infected. It stayed infected for six months. I ended up having some of the worst weird health issues I've ever had ever in my life. And in hindsight, I, again, I just kind of trusted this astrologer to know more than me, you know, especially at that point, because this was like a couple of years ago. And in hindsight, looking back, looking at my chart, this was like one of the worst, this was one of the worst times to get surgery. So it is really important to follow your intuition, to do your due diligence, and to also really make sure you know who you're going to for astrology. But also, um, sometimes astrologers are wrong. The same astrologer, they predicted that my friend would not have children. They were like, you're going to be you know, famous. You're going to have a really powerful career, but you're not going to have kids because they'll take away from your job. She ended up having two kids. She does have a really cool job. But it's like sometimes astrologers, they can be wrong in these predictions. And so I've had people come up to me and be like, oh, I'm never going to get married or I'm never going to have children or maybe living abroad isn't for me. Sometimes human error happens. And so I think that this is a cautionary tale in two different ways. In one way, as we're seeking guidance through others, it's really important to really trust who we're seeking guidance from, but also remember that human error can happen. And that we need to leave space for the divine mystery to kind of do its magic. You know, we're not always completely sure what may happen. And number two, if we're pra- if we're practitioners, if we are astrologers, people take what we say so seriously. And they will make decisions based off of what we say. Some people will. It's so important to 
understand our own limitations, to let people know when we're not completely sure what's going to happen, and do research before we hop on a call with someone. Like, make sure we're aware of what we're looking at, you know? So those are some other lessons that I have learned. It it was very significant for me. And um, my friend also, my friend, she says the funniest things about that experience, about having kids. Another note I took is that connections don't always mean that someone is a soulmate in the way we are expecting them to be a soulmate. So... When we're doing compatibility, when we're doing synastry in a a chart, we can see so many connections with, you know, maybe Rahu is on someone's moon, K2 is on the ascendant, Jupiter is on moon, Venus and Rahu are in the same degree. Whatever it may be, we may see these charts and, and see like, oh my gosh, there's like a lot of karmic connection here. There's a reason that we met, you know, big, big reason. Sometimes when we find those connections, they are soulmates, but maybe they're best friends. Maybe they're someone to potentially collaborate with. Maybe uh, they're someone who's always just going to kind of float around in our periphery. I've had relationships like that where they're just there. There are a few people who I'm thinking of where it's like we just can't get away from each other. We don't hang out. We don't talk, but we're always in each other's periphery. Some sort of karmic thing, you know? And... This is going along with the last topic I wanted to discuss, which is limerence. Um, And so I guess I'll go ahead and kind of merge those two things together. But limerence is this tendency to fantasize and romanticize. And so when we come into contact with someone, we may have this tendency to kind of create this story that this person is everything that we want them to be. We all do this. It is very, very high level evolution to not have any limerence at all. So it's like we meet someone and we get really excited and we learn that they like to camp like we do and they are super affectionate like we are and they're super outdoorsy. I'm just like projecting all of my own stuff onto this story. But <laughs> it's like, you know, there's there are all these qualities about this person that we love and that we resonate with. But then what happens is we start actively looking for information that affirms that that fantasy is real, right? So if somebody has some bad behavior or maybe they start acting kind of avoidant or there's just something about them that may pose a little bit of a flag for us, instead of being like, huh, that's a flag, we'll be like, oh, well, it's because of this, this, and this, or maybe they're tired. We'll kind of like make excuses or we'll dismiss things because we're trying so hard to let this person stay in that state of fantasy. And it happens in astrology too. We pull up a birth chart and we start trying to affirm why this person is perfect for us. And what can happen is that, first of all, we are no longer seeing that person clearly. And that's not fair to them, right? We're, we're not giving them space to be imperfect. We're not giving them space. And, and that's the thing too, right? Like we're kind of operating under this assumption that this person needs to be perfect for us. But as we discussed earlier, people are really messy. And if we have all of this stuff happening inside of us, then other people have all this stuff happening inside of them, right? They're not going to be perfect. Perfect. 
They're going to mess up. They're going to have their own triggers. They're going to have their own wounds. But when we're in limerence, we can kind of, we can kind of, um, lose touch with that. And so when we're looking at the birth chart, we may see, wow, this person approaches relationship totally differently than I do. That's maybe a flag or this person, um, has some relationship karma or whatever. And that's, everyone has relationship karma pretty much. But anyway, it's important that when we meet someone and we're really excited about them and we can kind of feel ourselves creating those hopes for the future and kind of fantasy around them to first of all, just be cognizant that that's what we're doing. Just understanding limerence, I feel like is important. It's been important for me and my journey. It's very, very helpful. But then when we're doing the astrology, we are looking at a spirit soul. We're looking at something so intimate for this person. And it's so important that we can kind of put our own stuff aside so that we can truly see, you know, with sincerity and without judgment. It's going to help us make decisions. You know, it's going to help us kind of navigate things. It's going to help us understand how to love this person better. It's going to help us understand how to show up as a better friend to this person. Instead of trying to, instead of approaching it with the mindset of, I'm going to affirm that this person is perfect for me, you know? So those are some takeaways too. But um, something I wanted to riff off of with that is when we are doing compatibility, before even doing any compatibility at all, assessing our individual, you know, relational facets of the birth chart. Because if one person is going to approach relationship with complete monogamy, and then the other person has some factors in their chart that would show maybe enjoying polyamory, wanting to explore a lot of people, not being super committed, those are two fundamentally different charts. So we can do all of the compatibility in the world. We can say, okay, they're going to get along great. They're going to be friends. They both like the outdoors. They both love animals, all this stuff. But fundamentally, when it comes to how they approach connection, it's going to be different. And so it's really important to be able to see that and understand that as well. And it saves us a ton of time when it comes to synastry and relationship. So I'm just like reading off notes. If this sounds kind of disorganized, it's because I'm kind of disorganized right now. (laughs) Another note that I took is heartbreak. This entire podcast was inspired because somebody wanted me to talk about heartbreak and astrology. And so when I really sit and I think about heartbreak and astrology is I think about how I try to predict the outcome of everything when I'm heartbroken. When I'm having anxiety or if I'm feeling heartbroken, I try to predict the outcome of everything. And there's a lot of things that we're not going to be able to predict. We can use Vedic astrology to predict so much truly and There are some subtle nuances. There are details of life that we're not going to be able to predict. At least I'm not going to be able to predict. And so for me in my own journey with astrology and dating and love and heartbreak, instead of focusing so much on the astrology, I instead focus more on surrender and trust that no one knows what's best for someone else, right? If someone makes a decision, if somebody wants to move in a different direction with love, that's their decision. And they're an adult and they are fully capable of deciding what is best for themselves. 
number one, right? And number two, if a relationship is meant to happen, there is absolutely, and I truly believe this, there's absolutely nothing in this universe that can stop it from happening. If something is karmically aligned, it will happen. There's no way that it won't. Similarly, if a relationship is not meant to happen, if the stars are not aligned, if the karma is not there, there's nothing that we can do to make it happen. And so for me, it's this practice of really surrendering and trusting that if it's not working, there's something that's so much better in the future. And when I look back at relationships in my life that have ended, I'm glad that all of them have ended. You know, I don't regret not being in any of those relationships anymore. And so I try to keep that in perspective. If I'm experiencing a heartbreak, if I'm experiencing a loss, I try to remember like, man, I'm so glad I'm not with the same guy that I was with when I was 19 years old. You know, so much has changed. So much is different. Do I want to keep the lessons? Absolutely. The lessons that I've learned through relationship, the discovery of myself that I've had, understanding how to show up better as a partner, all of those lessons have been invaluable to me and I've needed every single one of them. But I'm still happy that I'm no longer in those connections. And so as we move through relationship, I think that this state of mind It can first of all really contribute to that surrender and trust, but it can also just change how we approach love in general. Again, it changes from approaching love from something that we need or something that we want and desire to just approaching it with an open heart. What can I learn? You know, what can you teach me? How can I learn how to show up better? What parts of myself can be revealed through you? And, you know, Again, like, how can I work on myself? How can I mend myself so that I can show up in a way that is more authentic and, and from that place of non-judgmental affection? So anyway, these are some things that I contemplate often and how I use astrology in relationship to relationship has really changed and shifted over the years. And I think that one of the biggest things for me really is limerence. So if you're unfamiliar with limerence, I recommend diving in um, because I think that it really plays a role in how we use astrology and how we use tarot and things of this nature. Um, My spiritual practice, I talk about the Bhagavad Gita a lot and I recommend reading the Bhagavad Gita, but the Bhagavad Gita is all about staying in the space of equanimity. It is understanding that when things are really, really high, they are really high and will kind of come back down eventually. When things are really, really low, acknowledging that it's really low, but also understanding that it will come back up eventually. It'll always kind of come back to this neutral point. But when we are heightened or when we are dampened, for lack of better words, we're no longer able to see things clearly. And I'm sharing this because when we're really triggered, when someone really triggers our attachment, we can no longer see the situation clearly. We can no longer see them clearly. Has that ever happened? Like you're really upset, you're fighting with someone, they send you a text and it just causes everything to explode. So much upset, so many emotions. You go back and you read the exact same text a week later when you're no longer dysregulated. And it's like, oh, they were totally asking me if I wanted to like hang out. Like we can't 
really see things clearly when we're really, really heightened. We can't see people clearly. We can't read charts clearly. We can't read transits clearly. We can't read tarot clearly. When we are really, really excited, it's the same thing. Oh, this person texted me in the morning. Surely this means that they love me and they want to marry me. And I'm looking at their birth chart and it's, it's everything that I expected it would be. They're perfect for me. They're my soulmate. We kind of lose touch with what the person is actually trying to say, what the person is actually trying to communicate, and what the cards are saying, what the chart is saying, all these kind of things. So love is a spiritual path. Connection is a spiritual path for me. It's also this path of equanimity and understanding that people are people, that people are messy, that um, there's there's a lot of moving parts. And also fundamentally, things are also very simple. <laughs> that if we just kind of listen, you know, and observe, um, not, I think that the biggest thing is just not projecting our own stuff, not projecting our own highs, our own lows, trying to kind of come back to the space of equanimity in that. So this has been a very rambly podcast. I'm going to go ahead and cut myself off. These were almost at 40 minutes. I thought this was going to be a 15 minute podcast. I hope that this helps someone somewhere. I hope that it is soothing to someone. I hope that there's some sort of resonance or support. And I do want to say that it's okay, again, not to be perfect at this. And there's nothing inherently wrong about limerence. There's nothing inherently wrong about getting excited over someone. Nothing inherently wrong about obsessing over somebody's birth chart. Like I've done all of this stuff many times and probably will. <laughs> but I, I share it all because everything that I shared today are, are things that I implement in my own life, things that have been very meaningful and very helpful for me. And so again, I just hope that they can help you too. So if you would like to schedule a reading or a compatibility reading, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga. I do weekly horoscopes at Astrology Now podcast. Wait, I do horoscopes at patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. My Instagram is astrology now underscore podcast. And I think that that's all for today. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is astrology now. I'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.